Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. You know, the stakes were high for God's Old Testament family. And do you know what I mean by God's Old Testament family? You see, during this series, we've been talking about not building a house of cards. We've been talking about how to strengthen our families so that our families are, are not houses of cards. But this was critically important for God's Old Testament family, by which I mean the children of Israel. And sometimes we talk about the children of Israel uh, forgetting or not realizing that despite that eventually there got to be millions of them, really they were all descendants of one person. They were all blood relatives, all descended from one man. Anybody know who that is? Abraham. And so God's Old Testament family was important to him because he had personally chosen Abraham for an important task, not only of having children that would be God's specially chosen people, but there was a vision beyond that, an important vision for the children of Israel. God's vision was that through the children of Israel, God would keep his promises to send the world a Messiah, a Savior, a Savior who would be, as we talked about down at the baptism, the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the entire world. If there was a plan B, if there was some other plan for sending the Messiah, we have no idea what that might have been because all throughout the Old Testament, it is clear that God had this plan. We don't know if he had any other plan. It's, it's likely he didn't have any other plan. This was probably God's one and only plan to send a Savior through his family, the children of Israel. But that was not God's only chosen role for the children of Israel. That was what I would call the long-range vision for the children of Israel, that after many generations and many centuries, the Messiah would be born through Abraham's children. But God also had a a broad-range vision for the children of Israel, which he speaks about many times. He says, I want you to be a unique and special people in the world. Because I want people to wonder about you. I want you to be a little bit of a a, a mystery to people so that they ask questions. Why do these people, the Jews, act the way they do? Why do they behave that way? Why are they such good people? Because I, I want you to be in the world a light that attracts people. Remember, Jesus comes later and he says, we are the light of the world and we're the salt of the world. We're we're meant to spread influence so that people are attracted. That was also the role of God's Old Testament people. Now, for both of those visions, both the long-range vision of being the family through which the Messiah would be born and the broad-range vision of of being a, a powerful influence to draw people to the kingdom of God, there was one thing that was vitally important, that was consistency. To have 
God's people who were to be exemplary in the world and who were to be the the cradle for the Messiah, to be up and down in their relationship with God, to be all over the place, to, to be flaky when it came to their relationship would not be the best of circumstances. Now, if you've read the Old Testament, you know that in reality, due to sin and the fallenness of those people, God's family often were flaky spiritually and often were inconsistent in their relationship to God, up and down. And we're gonna see a little bit of that this morning, but the reason I bring that up is, what about us? Because we are God's people today. And, and in a sense, it's still our role as God's family to usher in Christ, only this time to usher in Christ at his second coming, at his not so lowly and quiet and humble coming, but at his powerful coming at the end of the world. That's still God's long-range plan for his people to remind people that Christ is coming back. And it's still God's plan for his people that we be salt and light, influence in the world to call people to Christ, to show people the cross, to help people understand that Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for their sins and that God wants them to have the free gift of eternal life through faith in Christ. That's still our goal. There's still a long and a broad range goal for God's family. And by the way, that translates also to your nuclear family. When Julie and I were married, um, we, we chose a verse from Psalm 34. Come, let us glorify the Lord together. See, in our families, that is what we are intended to be, little pockets of God-glorifying people, us, our children, our parents, Little pockets in this world of influence and reminders that Jesus is our Savior and that he's coming again. And just as with the children of Israel in our families, there needs to be consistency. As we talk about not building a house of cards, consistency looms large. And this verse is beautiful from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and the reason is it's a beautiful how-to passage. Have you ever wondered how can I make my family a more consistent place? How can I encourage my own heart, my my spouse's heart, my children's heart to stop being flaky in their relationship with the Lord and in our relationship with each other? And if you want to know the answer to that, then you're going to get it today. So let's start, and it starts with the God that we worship. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. This is the very first verse in this section that we're, that we're reading today. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You see, as I said earlier, the stakes were high for the children of Israel, and the stakes are high for us when it comes to consistency. And when I think of the word consistency, I think of a lot of things. I as a, as a boy, I used to, to help out mixing cement. Have you ever mixed cement? And how important it is as you mix the gravel and the sand and, and, uh, and, and the, the Portland cement together and, and then 
Choose just the right amount of water that you get the cement to the right consistency. And it's important also in our families that as we mix the family together throughout life, that we get our families to the right consistency. And just like when you're mixing cement, if you don't get it to the right consistency, it can crack, it can ruin your foundation. If we don't get our families to the right consistency, cracks develop and we don't have a solid foundation to build on. And where we start is with God. Notice what it says about God. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And and, and I want you to circle that word one because that's important. What, What this is saying is that, first of all, our God is unique. There is no God like our God. And in fact, if if you have your Bible with you, you could page back to chapter four and look at verse 32 and, and the following verses. And it's a whole segment in in which Moses, the author of Deuteronomy, says, is there any other God like our God? Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the the day God created human beings on the earth, earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything so great as this ever happened? Or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to make for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by signs of wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? Has any other God ever acted like this? Has any other God ever shown himself to be so powerful, so merciful, so gracious in selecting you to be his special people, his family, his sons and daughters? Has any other God ever promised a Messiah and then sent a Messiah who was willing to sacrifice his life so that we could be reconciled and reunited in our relationship with God. When it says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, the thing that Moses is saying here is, there is no other God like our God. Now this verse is also used, however, to to point out that even though there are three persons in God, In reality, there is only one God. We don't, like the people in Moses' day, worship many gods. And even here, God is saying, don't mingle your worship of the true God with a a false God. Because your God is unique, and he's also unique in his consistency. Over time, he shows you the same love again and again and again. Look at Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is, help me out, is the same yesterday and today and forever. In other words, the God we follow is also unique because of his consistency, the consistency of his power and his love and his grace. Here's what I want you to write down. God is perfectly consistent 
And that's why his love really sticks with our hearts because in his consistency, you don't get any surprises from God. If you're surprised about something that God is doing, that's not because God is doing something against his nature. It's not because God is doing something against his promises. It's because we, as sinful fallen people, have not listened carefully enough to those promises and those commands of God. You see, God, whatever he says is what he does. And in that sense, he's a God of integrity. And and there's never going to be surprises with God because he's given us his word to forewarn us and then also to make gracious promises that we can rely on. I want you to write down in that that first blank, God's love sticks because he displays integrity. With God, what you see is what you get. What you read in here about God, you can rely on is the way God will be because what he says is what he does. The second thing we see about God that makes him absolutely unique and consistent is that he serves with harmony. We talked a moment ago about the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yet the three persons work in perfect harmony with one another. The Father, the Creator, is the one who makes us and then also makes the plan to save us after we fall into sin. The Son is the one who, on the Father's behalf, carries out that plan of salvation by living a perfect life in our place, by dying a perfect sacrificial death in our place, by being raised on the third day from the tomb. And the Holy Spirit is the one who completes God's plan of salvation by bringing faith into our hearts. You see, all that other stuff can happen, but if we don't connect with it personally through faith, we're still lost, aren't we? And so God sends the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father and the Son and comes to us and comes into our hearts as we listen to his word and as we come to the sacraments like baptism, and the Holy Spirit draws us and reconnects us to God through faith. Do you see how even though there are three persons, three roles, creator, redeemer, sanctifier, the Holy Spirit, that they all work together in perfect Harmony, there's consistency between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because there's harmony in how they carry out their service of us. So that's the second point. God is perfectly consistent and he's set apart because he serves with harmony. And then the final one is our God is amazing because he acts with fidelity, meaning he's not going to say one thing today and do something different tomorrow or a week from now or 10 years from now, or 100 years from now, or 1,000 years from now. Fidelity is simply another word for faithful. And God's love for you and for me is faithful love. That means it's consistent over time. Not only is God not going to flake on you, he's not going to flake on you tomorrow. He's not going to flake on you ever. And you can be guaranteed of that. It's amazing. So we have a God who is consistent. Now, if we want to build consistency, 
it comes to attaching ourselves to this God who is uniquely consistent and faithful in all the world toward us, and especially consistent and faithful in his love. Everything we just talked about there, integrity, harmony, fidelity, it applies most greatly to our Lord's love of us despite our sins. And that's why we can rely on our God. So as we lean on God, the New Testament puts it this way. Let your foundation be the words of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. As you build your life and your family on this consistent, faithful God, your family becomes more consistent and faithful. So let's talk about what that looks like. Let's get down. I I said this is really a how-to passage. So we've been up here. And the concept so far is pretty simple. We want to build consistency into our family, then attach our family to the God who is uniquely consistent. But now let's talk about how does that constant attaching happen so that we we build... And remember, the stakes were high for the children of Israel. So God teaches the children of Israel, here's how to be consistent. Not just across four or five or six or seven people in your little nuclear family, but literally over centuries and over millions of people, you can still build consistency in your walk with God. And so God teaches us how to do that. Number one, he says... Deuteronomy 6, 5, and 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So what do you hear God saying there? If we want to get practical, and and Jesus used this very practically when he's asked the question, what do I have to do to, to be pleasing to God? Jesus brings this very passage up and he says, well, what does the scripture say? What's the most important commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. If we want to know how to build a consistent home, it starts with pouring ourselves into our relationship with God. Not by our own strength or power. Again, due to our sinfulness, we can't do that. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and help us have the strength and the wisdom to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. These commandments, and, and what he's talking about is he's just gone back over the, command, the Ten Commandments with them. So if you want to write down to, next to these commandments, Ten Commandments, that's what he's talking about. Moses is saying, I want these commandments, the Ten Commandments, to be constantly on your hearts. That's why I've reviewed them with you today. We have a beautiful example of this in the Old Testament, where because of the inconsistency of what was going on in the faith life of God's family, you'd have one king after another. One king would be faithful to God, the next would not. And the example that I'm talking about is King Ahaz and his son Hezekiah. Ahaz was constantly drifting from God. In fact, far more than drifting, he outright at the end of his life rebelled against God to the point where as king, 
He built all these other high places of idolatry to worship other gods because he got impressed by these, the gods of the other nations around Israel. And he, he built all these places of worship, all these churches for, for these other gods to be worshiped. And then he shut the doors of the temple and wouldn't let people go in to worship in the temple where the true God was worshiped. Eventually, Ahaz dies, and his son Hezekiah becomes king. And it's amazing to watch what happens as, a, as Hezekiah now takes over. Hezekiah, on the very first month of his rule, at age 25, reopens the temple and says, we're going to worship the true God. And he begins a methodical destruction of all the, the places of worship that his father had built to the false gods. He calls the priests back and says, we're going to start to respect you, honor you, uh, please study the word and pass it on to us, let the sacrifices begin in the temple, and we're going to give you what you need to, to do your work again. He strengthens the, the walls and builds the army so that, so that God can use them, much as we're using the generosity of our people to purchase land. Hezekiah saw, saw that, that God can work through the, 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 the courage of his people to defend Israel. And so he rebuilt the kingdom. Look, look at what it says. In everything that he, that's Hezekiah, undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and the commands, he sought his God. He always came to God in prayer and said, God, which direction do you want me to go? He always went back to the word the words that Moses and some of the prophets had written and said, God, how are you instructing me to go? And then he worked with his whole heart to make things happen. And then do you, do you notice those last four words? And so he prospered. God blessed his work because he put his whole heart, his whole soul, and his whole strength into trusting God. So write this down. We are consistent when we stick close to God. Consistency is when there is integrity of heart toward God. Now parents, you may know how important this is in your own family. And if you've ever said as Maybe I've said once or twice, hardly ever. Do as I say, not as I do. Anybody ever said that? Anybody ever heard that said by their parents? This is what we mean by integrity, right? Because if we say to our children, it's so important for you to stay calm even when you're angry, but when we're driving down this, the baseline road with the kids in their car seats in the back all safely buckled in and someone cuts us off and we roll down the, the window and have a few choice words for that person that just cut us off, and then one of our children says, but daddy, I thought you told us to stay calm when we're, 
when we're upset. Do as I say, not as I do. When we tell our children that there are dangers in the world that we want them to avoid, and we make our little list, but then they see us taking part in those things that we've just told them were dangerous. You know how hard it was for me to hear my dad tell me to never smoke when he was lighting up a cigarette? It was just flat out inconsistent to me, even as an eight or nine-year-old. And so I, you know, it, it didn't, it kind of went in one ear and went out the other. Fortunately, I never developed a huge habit of smoking, but it wasn't really because of his words. The importance of consistency and integrity of heart and doing things with a whole heart is what God is speaking to us here, and especially in our relationship specifically to God. You know what I love here at Crosswalk? I get to hear stories that are so awesome. And and one of the stories I love to hear and I've heard repeatedly is a parent comes up to me and said, I was planning to sleep in today. And I was all snuggled in under the covers. My pillow was so comfortable. And my little babies came to the side of the bed because we'd been to Crosswalk. And they said, aren't we going to church today? And they shake their parents, come on, let's go to church today. And finally, when the parent realized they weren't going to get any more sleep that day, they groggily get out of bed and start getting ready to go to church. You see, sometimes it's important for us to realize that our children have more consistent faith than we do. And how beautiful of a thing that is to know that our children want to be connected to God in this most intimate way with all their heart, all their soul, and all their strength. Notice what it says next in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. Impress them, these commandments is what it's talking about, on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, I want you to circle the word impress because that's an interesting word. Literally, that word means to sharpen. Now, back in the day, do you know how they sharpened their knives and their swords? Uh huh, with a whetstone, right? And how do you sharpen a knife or a sword with a whetstone? By repeatedly taking the whetstone and moving it back and forth across the edge of the blade. What this is literally saying is sharpen your children's faith, sharpen your children's obedience through repetition. That's what it literally means. That These things that you know about God, the way that we impress them on our children is by constantly reminding them of these things. And notice how he puts it. The way that happens is in everyday life. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road. Things are going to come up in our daily life where we have the opportunity to say, see, there's God. That's God at work. Do you see God blessing us? Do you see God keeping his promises? Do you know how happy I am that I don't have to carry around my baggage every day because I'm forgiven in Jesus Christ and we can share those with our children? 
And, and, and what Moses is telling the children of Israel and us is look for those opportunities in daily life. Look for the little excuses that God is going to give you to talk about God. And, and not just with your children. It's, it's talking about with your children. But, but do you do this with your spouse? Or, or, or is it a struggle for you to talk with your spouse about God? One of the things that we, we have a coaching network here at, at Crosswalk called the Crosstrain Network. And one of the most challenging things we've ever asked our brother pastors, there's over 60 pastors in this coaching network, that we've ever asked our brother pastors, pastors, mind you, to do, is to pray daily with their wives. You would not believe the number of excuses coming from pastors about why they can't pray daily from their, with their wives. Well, we're just not used to praying with, you know, it's awkward. I don't, I don't know what to say. You're a pastor, dude. <laughs> it's amazing how, and, and that's what he's talking about here is that that repetition over and over again is what builds consistency, solidity, firmness. Like when you mix cement, right, you want it to be a certain firmness even before you pour it. And then obviously the goal is once it's poured, it really firms up and becomes like rock. Well, if you want your marriage and your family and your parenting to to build that kind of rock-solid consistency, what Moses is teaching us is it comes through sharpening, and sharpening comes through consistent repetition and looking for daily excuses to connect with God and talk about God. Now, there's, there's something interesting about what we learned in the coaching network, though. As the men, the pastors, began to get past their excuses and their defenses about praying with their wives daily and began to do it, do you know what they began to talk about? How close they had become with their wives. After repeatedly praying with them day after day after day, then, then our coaches would go back to them and say, how's that working out for you? Oh, I have, I've never been closer with my wife since we started praying together every day. You see, the, these repeated actions, this repeated sharpening, being in God's word together, having daily devotions together as husband and wife, not only does that sharpen your relationship with God, it sharpens your relationship with each other. It, it brings you together. It brings you that harmony that you've always dreamed of having in your family life. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. We want that kind of harmony, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Paul the Apostle originally wrote this to a church family, but it applies to our, our regular everyday families too. Flip the page. We are consistent when we stick together 
And consistency is harmony between the parts of a family, being on the same page about God's will. And that happens as we sharpen and repeatedly come back to God in our daily lives. We build that harmony. Deuteronomy 6, 8, 9 says, tie them, meaning these commandments, the the words and the promises of God. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on on your gates. This is what Moses tells the children of Israel to do. Put them here on your wrist. Now, some of you if, you, if you know Jewish people, if you know how they've taken this literally, there are little boxes called phylacteries that many of them in worship will wear with little scrolls of scripture inside the box. They have things called tefillin that they tie around their wrist. Nothing wrong with taking this literally. Many of you, for example, have taken post-it notes, put a favorite Bible verse on the bathroom mirror so that you're reminded of God's grace and God's promises to you every morning. Many of you uh, have little uh, plaques that you put up in your house with a a Bible verse or a reminder of God's grace to you, or you, you put something in your car to remind you of God's love for you. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's beautiful. But what God really means when he says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads is similar to why we make the sign of the cross over the forehead and over the heart when we baptize as a symbol that when we come to Christ, when we trust in God as our Lord and Savior, that is going to be mind-bending. It's going to change the way we think and it's gonna alter the way that we feel in our hearts. What what God, what Moses on God's behalf is, is telling the children of Israel is realize that when you believe that what you believe is really real, hearts are gonna change, minds are going to change, and you're going to make decisions and choices in your life differently. He says, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And to truly understand this one, you have to understand that in one household, remember, the children of Israel were tribal people. Once they built a house and built the door frame of a house, the grandfather and grandmother lived there. Then the parent and wife lived there. Then the adult children of the the parents lived there. And then the Non-adult, four generations often lived in one house is what I'm trying to tell you. All four of those generations going in and out of that door, all four generations going in and out of that gate, what God is really saying is this is something that is meant to continue over time because I have a long-range goal that you are to bring the Savior into the world. 2 Peter 1, 5 to 7 says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. What Peter is telling us is that we can use time to our advantage that as we stay in the word and as we stay close to God, 
as we come and as we go. Over time, the Holy Spirit works on our hearts and we build a culture within our family. It's, it's not just something that's with us anymore. It's, it's literally embedded in the bedrock of how we do things in our homes. It becomes culture. And as that happens, then we ourselves build consistent, consistency by being faithful, by, fi- by being filled with fidelity over time. Write this down. We are consistent when we stick with it. Consistency is fidelity to God's way of thinking and acting throughout our lifetime. So I want you to go back. Let's, let's take a look. How do we build consistency, especially in our relationship to God? Moses says there are three ways. Stick close to God. Love him with all your heart, soul, and strength. Stick close to God. It's integrity of heart. Secondly, Stick together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Stick together as family around God. Consistency is harmony between the parts of the whole, your family. And then finally, stick with it. Stay firm in it. Keep going over time. Consistency is fidelity to God's way of thinking and acting throughout our lifetime. Now you ask, but what about my inconsistency. If we look at the children of Israel, they heard all this stuff from Moses and they were still inconsistent. If I look at myself as a parent, as a spouse, sadly, I have to admit it, I flake out at times. I flake out on my wife, I flake out on my children. I I don't stay steady, faithful, and consistent. Now what? Is hope lost? And that's why, as I said at the beginning, it's so critically important to know hope is never lost because we worship a faithful God whose love is steady and consistent. Look at what it says in 1 John 2, 1 and 2. And what I want you to hear as I read this is wherever you are in terms of your consistency in your family, it's not too late. Because with God and his love, forgiveness reigns. You can start right now today to build a more consistent faith life in your home. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He could have said, I write this to you to keep you consistent in your relationship to God. But if any of you has been inconsistent, remember this, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he is the atoning, the the bringing back at one sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Do you have any doubt that he means you? John says, he's done it for the whole world. Are you part of the world? If you're part of the world, and you are, then Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for you too. His consistent love, his faithful love, is how we, over time, by the Spirit's power and authority, build consistency into our families as we stick close to God, 
as we stick together and as we stick with it. See what it says in Psalm 100 verse 5? For the Lord is good and his love endures, how long? Forever. His faithfulness continues consistently throughout all generations. To love with consistency, hear this loud and clear, one must be loved consistently, and you are by your God. Christ's love is consistent because it is forgiving, faithful, and it's consistent because it's consistent. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we're so grateful that you are always faithful, enduring and consistent in your love toward us. Lord, thank you for being there for us always, even when we sin and when we are inconsistent in our fallenness. And Lord, we ask you to help us not build houses of cards, but build houses that are consistently strong and faithful to you. Houses where putting our love of you, our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole strength in our relationship to you is part of our culture. Lord, forgive us for our inconsistencies. We're truly sorry for the times when we have sinned against you and, and, and failed to keep your commands, but, but we know that you sent your son Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for us. And we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. So I have a question to end this series. If Jesus were a playing card, what card would he be? I think he'd be the king of hearts because he loves you and he loves me in, in a way where he has stuck with us over the long haul and powerfully like a king. And as we build on that kind of love that Jesus has for us, then we can build consistency into our families. Consistency as we stick with it, as we stick together, and most of all, as we stick close to the King of Hearts who loves us above all things. Let me uh, send you home with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.